Turn your Bibles to Hebrews 11. In forensic science, there is a rule known as the Lockhart Principle. Simply stated, it says that every touch leaves an impression. On the night of September 19, 1910, Mary Hiller was awakened in the middle of the night by a noise coming from her daughter's bedroom. She immediately roused her husband, Clarence. On the way to check on their daughter, he ran into an intruder on the staircase. After a struggle, the intruder shot Clarence twice and killed him. The intruder, upon fleeing, touched the wet paint on a porch rail outside the house, leaving behind four fingerprints. A man was apprehended by the police a short time later. His fingerprints matched those found in the wet paint. These fingerprints would be used later to convict him of the murder and became the first case where fingerprint evidence was used to secure a conviction in the United States. Do you know, even though there are 8 billion people in the world today, no two people have the same fingerprints. Even identical twins do not have the same fingerprints because they are formed in the womb beginning at around 10 weeks. While these fingerprints are forming, all the details in the environment in the, world, in the womb can change how these fingerprints look. The fingerprints of the developing fetus became, uh, become permanent at about six months. In 1930, notorious U.S. bank robber John Dillinger tried to obliterate his fingerprints with acid. More recently, a suspect in the back of a police car bit off the ends of his fingerprints so that he could not be identified. In both of these cases, the fingerprints could not be erased. Like it or not, your fingerprints are with you for life. In forensic science, the value of fingerprints is based on the Lockhart's uh, exchange principle, which suggests that a person always leaves something behind every time that person interacts with the environment. Wherever you go, you're almost certain to leave something behind. It may be a strand of hair, a fiber from your clothing, or perhaps some skin cells. But perhaps the most important thing you may leave behind is your fingerprints. Do you know our world is fascinated by crime, uh, forensics. They have, there's TV shows, podcasts, books. It's been a long, you know, even back to Sherlock Holmes. They, they, we have been fascinated by mystery, finding out. And one of those main things, as if you did any reading, um, growing up or even now or listen to podcasts, there's a search for evidence. Who did this crime? They're look, constantly looking around. Recently, uh, if you paid attention to the news, there was a quadruple homicide that happened in Idaho. And part of how they found the murderer was by, obviously, they were tracking him, but they had to go looking through the trash can outside his parents' house. They were looking for evidence. I've listened to other stories where they were constantly, you know, undercover people where they would go out to eat with somebody and all they were waiting for was that person to leave a fingerprint. The moment they left a fingerprint, they slid the glass or slid, the, you know, silverware or something like that. They had to get that fingerprint to see, did it match? I've been thinking about something for quite a while and even more recently as I was preparing for this message, a thought that keeps running across my mind is, if your life was put before the courtroom of heaven and the evidence was laid out, whose fingerprints would be found? Yours or God's? And as I've been meditating on that, it's been very convicting. 
This is God's forensics. Whose fingerprints is he going to find on your life? Heavenly Father, I do ask that as we look at this, that you would use it in all of our lives. I pray that your presence would be here, that you would speak directly to each of our hearts. In your name, amen. When we start looking at the evidence, let's look at God's evidence, God's fingerprints. What does it look like? What does God's fingerprints look like on a life? If you were a part of the Experiencing God series that we did over the summer and into the fall, most of you would have been part of it in the fall, but I hope you've read the book. I know it's been life-changing for me as I read the book Experiencing God by Blackaby. But one of the things that he keeps, he was, is one of his main premises was that God is always at work. And are you a part of that work? Are you joining him in that work? Do you know, he is desirous to do the miraculous. He did the miraculous in your life when he saved you. But he's desirous to do the miraculous every single day. Well-known passages, but Galatians 5, through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What is God's fingerprints? Love. Joy. Is your life marked by joy? I'm not saying happiness. Because happiness is just based on your, the, the circumstances around you. I know people that are naturally just more happy people. And I've seen how somebody that can be so happy in one moment, all of a sudden I've seen them in another moment, something wasn't quite going right, and their face was dark. It's not, I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. Is your life marked by joy? When people look at you, is there just the countenance of God upon your life? Is there a glow about you? Again, I'm not looking for personality. I'm looking for God's fingerprints. Is his joy in your life? Or is there darkness? Are you so focused in on what you're doing that you don't have the light of God on you? It says temperance, meekness. I could keep on going, long-suffering. Is there gentleness in your life? Are you known to be gentle? Are you known to be harsh? Are you known to be controlled by God? Are you known to be something that flies off the handle and gets angry? Something that doesn't go quite right. And you're frustrated. Are you known to be good? Those are God's fingerprints. That is not something natural. What I'm talking to you, that's the fruit of the Spirit of God. Philippians 4, 8, he says, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Is this characterize your life? Honesty. Purity. Loveliness. That's God's fingerprints. That is not something natural. Charity suffereth long, is kind. 
Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. That's divine love. Is that the type of love you have? Because if it is, it means God's fingerprints are there. James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Those are God's fingerprints. If the evidence was put forward and that's what was seen in your life, then it's clearly God's fingerprints are all over it. That's the miraculous in your life. I don't know about you, but I need the miraculous every single day. I need it in my life. I need him to deliver me from anger. I need him to deliver me from selfishness. I need him to deliver me from worry and fear. Honestly, as I was meditating on Jehovah Rophe, I didn't think that I was fearful of health problems. But as I was meditating on that, I had a transaction with God where I had to give him my health. Because I, th- I realized deep down inside, I do fear a debilitating thing in my life. Deep down inside, I don't want to lose my eyesight. I don't want to lose a hand, a finger, something. I don't want to have headaches that are for the rest of my life that debilitate me. God said... He's the, he wants to have me. He wants a relationship with me. And I had to, have the, had to have divine working in my life to release those things. I need the divine happening all the time. Is the divine happening in your life? Is your life characterized by the miraculous? Is his fingerprints on you? Is the miraculous or divine happening? That's what I'm saying in your life, but is the divine or miraculous happening through your life? Is God's touch on what, on you, on what is happening through you? And I'm not looking for just, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever be so about performance, but I know as I'm asking God, why am I not seeing these things? If I'm walking with you, if your fingerprint's on me, then I should be seeing divine things happening all the time. It's not about me. I can't save somebody. I can't transform somebody. He can't. And if I'm joining him in his work, that's going to be happening. So if it's not happening, then his fingerprints aren't on my life. I should be seeing transformation happening at my Bible study. I should be seeing transformation happening in my church. Every area I touch should be seeing the miraculous because it's his fingerprints. It's his work. It's his doing. When you take that quiz, it should be evidence of the divine. And I'm not saying because, oh, I normally a C and I got, a, and I got an A. No, it should be, I've studied, but I need God because I won't remember this. I, I won't know this if I don't have God. You can rely on your intellect. You can do real well. But you didn't have the divine. 
People don't need to know how brainy you are. They need to know that God's fingerprints are on your life. Are you regularly seeing lives transformed? Are you seeing souls saved? Are you seeing answered prayer? Are you seeing touches of the divine every single day? And I'm not just saying, that building over there, when we see that, when we get that deed, that is, a, that is the miraculous. That's awesome. But I'm saying, are you seeing the divine happening every single day? God, I don't have enough money for a, a, for a, you know, a laundry card. I'm sure some of you have been in that place. I remember one place in college where I had literally 35 cents in one account and like 50 cents in the other account. I had no money. And I would say, God, I need some. I need you to help. Are you see- but I saw touches in the miraculous where I just cried out to him and somebody gave me something. Somebody did something. I'm seeing even still. Where just, you know what, Lord? I need. You know, I do landscaping on the side. There are many, many a times I just said, you know, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I need you to do something. And all of a sudden, either I got a phone call or I had an interaction with someone. I saw the divine. I couldn't have worked that up. Are you experiencing regularly the miraculous happening? God doing stuff in your life. His fingerprints on you. If you lay it all out, who's, the evidence all out, whose fingerprints are you seeing? If you lay it out and you see that you've been missing joining God in his work because you've been so focused on yourself, you've been so focused on what you had to do, what you had to accomplish, maybe your missions and your goals, do you go about your day and do you miss the people in the hallway? Do you miss the people at your dinner table? Do you miss your family members? You're so, you, you cannot see beyond you. We all experience it. I know I do. And yet God is saying, I am doing a work. I am at work. And I am inviting you to join me. But yet we're so stuck on ourselves. We're so selfish that we can't even see beyond us. You have an interaction. Somebody says a com- makes a comment. And God, that was an invitation by God to step into somebody's life, and you can't see it. That's your fingerprints. Difficulties happen. Something happens in your life, whether it's a teacher or whatever. It says, oh, we're going to do this. And you go, ah, that's your fingerprints. Tire blows on your car. I just found out I have a nail in my tire. I was like, oh, boy, I was not planning on replacing that tire quite yet. I was hoping to get the rest of the summer. Uh, I knew I had to replace all four tires in the van eventually here, but I was hoping to wait. But I was like, nope, yep, sure enough, there's that nail, and it can't be replaced. What are you doing in those moments? Are you frustrated? Ah, oh, man, and immediately looking at your, you know, your ledger and saying, ah, oh, well, I think I can swing it. Are you just saying, all right, Lord, thank you. I don't know what you're doing in this, but either you want to provide for me or there's somebody you want me to talk to and meet. I don't know. But if we don't live in the divine, if we're always living with our fingerprints all over our lives, you never see that. You never join him. 
And God's wanting to do something miraculous. He's always at work. We just, we've been talking about Jehovah Jireh. I love what Brother Sisk said. God doesn't allow a need to happen that he hadn't already provided for. We forget that. God's, God, knew, God knows all of time. There's no mystery to God what was, what's going to happen in the space of time. And yet we get such in a tizzy that, oh man, I don't have enough money or I don't know how to do this. God knew it already and he's already provided for it. He's just waiting for us to, to follow in, to join in what he's doing. Because he's trying to work something in our lives. He's doing something. And yet we just can't see it because we're so selfish. Many times it's because of just pride in our lives. Our fingerprints on our life just shows up an arrogance. Or I can do this. And it might not be an arrogance in the sense of everybody goes, oh, that guy's kind of arrogant. It just might be an arrogance of, I don't, you get up in the morning and you don't cry out to God. You just hit, hit, the, hit the ground running. And just do, do, do. And you never stopped and, 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 and said, God, I need you. I can't do this. I love in the hour where it says, God, I need you to pray. I can't, I can't even pray without him. I need him. That's the miraculous. That's his fingerprints. But my fingerprints is I don't even pray. Or if I do, it's a token. We look at the hour and just say, oh, that's some legalistic thing. No, that's, that's a tool to be used to meet with him. But are you meeting with him? Are you desperate to have him? And, you know, the psalmist says at, at morning and at noon and at night, I am crying out to you. Because he knew he needed God. All throughout the day, are you saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. How do I do this? I love how, uh, I don't know if it's original with Dr. Jim, but he has said, you know, prayer is the, the, the breath of dependence. You know, when it says praying without ceasing, it's, it's literally just saying, God, I need you today. How do I do this? What should I do here? You give me your wisdom. I'm looking to you for how I should do this. Somebody makes a comment. Uh, I don't even know how to jump in that person's life right now, but I do know I need to. What do I do? God, give me wisdom. What do I say? That's his, that's his fingerprints. But our fingerprints, we just don't even acknowledge him. The thing that God dealt with me the other day is our fingerprints is unbelief. The reason why I had you come to this passage was it says, but without faith is it impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Unbelief. How much unbelief is in your life? I like to think that I didn't have that much unbelief in my life. Then God started dealing with me. Matthew, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under, uh, chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Those to me are haunting words, and ye would not. How many times is God wanting to do something, and we won't? Because we don't believe him. 
Psalm 78 says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. God is always doing a work despite us. He is working. But he's asking us to join him. And how often do we limit what he could do? He said to, to, um, to Chores and, and Bethsaida, he said, if I had done the mighty works that I did in Tyre and Sidon, they, you know, that I, if I had done the mighty works that I had done with you in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented a long time ago. And yet, you missed it. You didn't believe me. How often do we limit God? How much unbelief plagues our lives? He is able and willing and desirous to do abundantly above what I can ask or think. He is ready to do great and mighty things which I cannot comprehend. Yet in my unbelief, I limit him. You know, when, when attack comes from Satan, he sees in the heavenlies. He sees what God's doing. Why do you think sometimes he attacks like he does? Because he sees, wait a second, God's doing something. I got I to gotta get in here and mess it up. And he's trying as hard as he can to, to mess up what God's in the work to do. And yet so often we just crumble under that. We don't believe that God's at work. And we limit what God was trying to do. Not that he doesn't work, but he's, the, the fullness of what he wants to do is limited because we don't believe him. D.L. Moody, I've been reading a biography. This didn't necessarily come from the biography, but I've been beginning to read a biography about D.L. Moody, and it's been stirring. But there's a, a phrase that is attributed to him, but actually didn't come from him. The phrase is, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. But that actually came from a conversation that he had had with a, a, a British revivalist, Henry Varley. I'm going to read you, to you this real quick. So they're re recounting this story. Moody says, do you remember your words, he said? I replied, this is Henry Varley. I will remember our... I well remember our interview, but I do not recall any special utterance. Don't you remember saying, Moody, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him? Actual sentence, he replied. I replied, ah, said Mr. Moody, those were the words sent to my soul through you from the living God. As I crossed the wide Atlantic, the boards of the deck of the vessel were engraved with them. And when I reached Chicago, the very paving stone seemed marked with Moody. The world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. Under the power of these words, I have come back to England, and I felt that I must not let more time pass until I let you know how God has used your words in my innermost soul. D.L. Moody was used of God, but it wasn't until God got his fingerprints on him that he was really used of God. But here's, here's the thought I want to leave us with, and we have to, have to be done here soon. You will never put your life in someone's hands if you do not trust them. And you have to know someone in order to trust him.
But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You have to believe that he is. You have to know who he is, not just academically. You have to know. You have to know that he's good and that he loves you and that you are precious in his sight. You have to know that he will not fail you. He will never leave you. He is your comforter. He is your greatest friend. You have to know that. You can't just know it, it black text on, on white pages. You have to know it because that's who he is. And if you don't know who he is, you will never believe him. You will never allow him to have his fingerprints on your life. And you will limit the Holy One of Israel. You will limit God, what he wants to do. I've been struck. Just the other day, I was at the gas station. I, thought, I was looking at all the people around me, and I thought, there are neighborhoods all over this area. There are thousands of people. Do they know him? They don't. And what am I doing? I'm limiting him because of my unbelief. I'm limiting him because of my selfishness. My fingerprints are all over my life. Not his. The divine is not happening. I'm not seeing the miraculous day in and day out. If I was seeing the miraculous, I mean, if the gospel has said that it can reach our whole entire world in our generation, why are we not seeing it? Because we're not living by the miraculous. His fingerprints are not all over our life. I thought about bringing glass up here. You know, there are times we have a glass and you'll see one little fingerprint on it. I don't want that to be my life. I want my four-year-old's hands all over it, where it's just smudged all over because that's his fingerprints. You can't tell fingerprints because it's just, it's all over it. That's what we want for you. I, I've been starting to pray for our alumni, the Alumni Fellowship President, and I've just been burdened to start praying for our alumni. I was praying this morning, and some of my, I kept asking Jess, so who's this? Who's this? Because I, I don't know them. Or I, I kind of recognize names. And I'm like, I don't even know all of where these people are at. But what my burden is, is that they would get a hold of the cause of what this college is all about. I don't want them bound by bitterness. I want them to be about who he is and following after him. I want to see this world turned upside down. I want his fingerprints all over us. I almost thought, you know, Stephen should come up here and preach. He started preaching my message for me. <laughs> when I saw Pastor Gilmore texted us about that, that this young man that um, was the, uh, killed the police officer, but then was also um, died on the scene, somebody that we've had, we've had interaction with. He's been through our doors. I don't know if we know if he ever made a uh, profession of faith or not. But the potential that you have. You know, D.L. Moody went, he started doing Sunday school. And he, you know, he, didn't, he wasn't suffice to just go to the, the nice places because that's where everybody else went. He went to the roughest of the rough. That's where he went and did Sunday school. 
was an old, I think it was a boxcar. I mean, he just, he just, it was nothing. It was an old saloon. He would sweep it all out from the party before, and all the kids would come in. He had a little gang that was his posse that was his protection. They were some of the worst kids there. But he started reaching them. One of those boys became the, command, the, the head of the, the army in the United States. And he attributed it to the touch of God through D.L. Moody. We don't know what God can do. Obviously, those young people have to make decisions to pursue after. But I tell you, when I'm around somebody that has the touch of God in their life, it's not hard to want that. It's the people that just kind of ho-hum about Christianity. That, well, I'm going to be ho-hum about Christianity. But if God's fingerprints are all over somebody and the, the joy of God is just flowing out of them, you can't help it. There are people in our church that you just can't help but get excited about God when you're around them. But is that, is, if your life was put out there, whose fingerprints are on your life? What does the evidence give us? Do you trust God? Do you know him? That's why I brought up about the whole, with my health, I had to realize I don't trust God as Jehovah Rophi. I don't truly believe that he has my best interest in mind. And I had to say, you know what? A relationship with him is more valuable to me than my hand or my eyes because that's ultimately what he wants. He can heal me. He can do whatever. But what he's trying to get is me. And I, I will never have the, the, the impression of God on me if I am not trusting him and knowing him. I remember when, and not to, you know, it's, it's Valentine's Day, but I remember when I started seeking God about a wife, I made a commitment after having started thinking about a future wife and God dealing with me about how selfish I was being. I made a commitment. I want God's fingerprints all over my life. I want God's fingerprints all over my future marriage. I don't want anybody to be able to look at it and go, oh, no, I can see how they made that happen. He was flirting with her. I didn't want that. I wanted to get to the altar and everybody go, not look at that beautiful couple. I wanted them to look at it and say, wow, look at God. Because that's what God does. And so I just bring it up because, you know, self leaves, just when when self is involved, it's very unlovely. It's just just not pretty. But when God's involved, when God does his work, whether it's finding a future wife or a husband, um, it's, it's beautiful what God does. Whatever it is, whatever God's fingerprints are on, it's beautiful. And that's, my, that's what I'm burning. You lay out the, your life. Look at yesterday. Look at the last week. Look at the last semester. Maybe your time in college. That was convicting to me when I started looking back at my time in college and realized, oh, yeah, there was accomplishments. But that was Zach. That was Zach. That was Zach. 
Not, wow, look at the miraculous. Look at the divine. That was God's fingerprints. So if we are before the courtroom of heaven. Your life is there. Whose evidence is found? He is calling unto you. He is inviting you to have an intimate relationship with him. Will you know him? Will you trust him? Will you allow his fingerprints to be on your life? 